You're listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Each week, Tony Dyer leads the huddle and tackles the hottest topics around the NFL. He's joined by guests from all around the football world, bringing their insights and reactions to the news and noise of the National Football League. Subscribe now to join the huddle. Welcome back to Huddle Up, a football podcast. I'm Tony, and today I'm joined by Daniel. Hello, Daniel. Hey. Corey, the regular co-host, is off today. It's his birthday, so he's celebrating, and it's well-earned. He actually had to work today, which I feel bad. When people have to work on their birthday, I feel really bad. I try not to work on mine, so I don't know if that's a thing or if I'm just being a brat about it, but Corey went to work on his birthday and he even stayed late. Good for him. He's celebrating now, and he deserves to. So. A lot's happened this week, and there's a lot to talk about. There's, the schedule has come out. The Rams have new uniforms. That's the the latest of the day, which, by the way, I really like the uniforms. Yeah, I do too. Out of all the new logo and jersey reveals that we've had, I think that a lot of them have been <laughs> pretty bad. But this one's probably the best one out of all of them so far this offseason. And did we expect this? Were we Were we anticipating a Rams reboot, or do they just do this like willy nilly? It came out of the blue for me. I, I don't know if there's like a schedule for it, but I, I certainly didn't know it was coming. Well, I liked it. I mean, I felt like we knew with Tampa Bay. I feel like we had more notice. I don't know. I don't know how it works. I don't know. There's money involved. That's I all I know for sure. Yeah. Well, despite the news, we're gonna we're gonna table a lot of the news for when Corey comes back because we, we honestly, I feel like we want some more time to look at these schedules. We talked about this before air, and we're kind of up in the air on on. I don't know whether or not this is going to work out the way we want it to. I guess that's what we're trying to say. So we want another week to process this and figure out what we think will happen if the season is delayed or if it's affected in any way by the ongoing pandemic. So today we're going to talk about the recent draft that just finished for the Listener League. We just had our first ever Dynasty Startup draft for listeners of this podcast. And so we thought we'd look back at that. It took about a week. Uh, there were four hour timers for each pick and it went on. I mean, the timer basically ticked on all day long. Fascinating, really. And I think this group got through it really quickly. I was impressed. I was, I was worried that it would be, I, I was pleasantly surprised. That's what I'm trying to say. The The group in all obviously knows what they're doing and it's not just random, you know, I don't know how to say that. Does that make sense, Daniel? I don't want to like, yeah. there are, yeah, there's, no. there's random, but I don't, I just mean the people know what they're doing and it was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, it was good. I, I like to see it too. I mean, they weren't just choosing the best available based on the rankings of the um, app that we were using. So it was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So I thought Daniel and I would go through the draft. We'd go round by round. Each of us would take a round. Describe what happened in the round, and then that would give us a chance to talk about the good, the bad, and all the in-between. So, Daniel, I'm going to ask you to take the first round because you just offered it to me, and I'm not taking you up on your offer. You have it. Start with 101, <laughs> Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley went first. Uh, Christian McCaffrey went second. You know, there's an ongoing debate of which one's going to be better long-term, who's going to be the 1-1. One, one. Whoever doesn't go 1-1 one, one there arguable who could be you know one two or one three but those two guys are not making out of the first three picks in our dynasty startup um i probably would have chosen Saquon barkley myself just because of the build 
uh, may seem to hold up a little longer than Christian McCaffrey, although McCaffrey's been, he's been a stalwart. I mean, he's not been hurt. Um, so just some changes on that offense have kind of made me a little weary for McCaffrey to take him one-on-one, so I probably chose Barkley as well. But Barkley, McCaffrey, and then Michael Thomas, obviously, uh, with the third pick. Ezekiel Elliott, DeAndre Hopkins, Dalvin Cook, and then I was sitting at pick six. Um, seven. Sorry, seven. I had to have it. So I had to have yeah, it. Yeah, Tony Tony had been mocking he'd been doing a lot of mock drafts and just hated his pick. And so I knew if it didn't fall the way I kind of wanted it to, which I wanted Zeke to kind of fall to me just because I know in a dynasty you want wide receivers over running backs typically because the shelf life is much longer for a wide receiver. Um, so if you can get a, a top tier wide receiver, the only guy that really stood out to me in that aspect was obviously beyond Michael Thomas was DeAndre Hopkins. And he went 105. So I was willing to trade out uh, because I was looking at Tyreek Hill, Chris Godwin, Alvin Kamara, Nick Chubb. I was kind of looking at those guys. So I was willing to make that trade. So Tony had the 111. So we just went ahead and swapped those picks. And since it's a snake draft, we swapped our second round picks as well. So the way that benefits me is I get to pick in the second round four picks sooner. Um, so I went ahead and traded with Tony and Tony wants to go ahead and just walk us through your pick there on why you moved up to the one seven. Every once in a while on the mock draft, Tyreek Hill fell all the way down to one eleven, And every time he did, I drafted Tyreek Hill and it felt like a no brainer. The problem is it really, I bet I mocked 15 times for this draft and Tyreek Hill only fell two or three times that far which told me in my mind, it was like a blood. It was like the blood in the water. It just told me that, that if I want Tyreek Hill, I've got to figure out something to do to get to him. Normally, I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't normally trade up in the first round. But in that spot, when, when I mocked t- to see guys that were drafted around there, Nick Chubbs, Nick Chubbs, sorry. Oh, Nick Chubbs. Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, uh, Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon, Amari Cooper. All these picks happened right around this pick here where I would be drafting. And I didn't want any of those guys to be my first pick of the startup draft. I just wanted a stud. I felt like it's Tyree Kill. I've got him ranked as my number two wide receiver on the Dynasty Nerds rankings. And I'm not ashamed of that at all. He's very young, tied with a very young quarterback. There's a little bit of off the field issues, but Tyree Kill is going to be productive. He's going to be a Kansas City Chief. And he's, I mean, this is going to go on for a long time. So I feel great about it. I'm so pumped that I got up to him. And then in my second round, we'll go through that soon. But I didn't sabotage my second round pick anyway. That that was a player that I had mocked in that in that the that the two two several times. So this trade cost me in my mind almost nothing, and I got my guy. So I feel great about it. Yeah, and it's very rare that we both would feel like that because you would both essentially traded our first two picks, and it worked out well for both of us. I feel like so. When I traded out of that spot, I was a little worried because I was thinking that one seven, you know, I was really considering Chris Godwin here. Uh, with it being a full PPR and the changes he's had on his team, that's going to be a much more dynamic offense. And I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, Tyreek Tyreek Hill's off the field issues kind of worry me long term. And you got to you got to remember on Dynasty, you're in it for these people's lives. I mean, there's so much more at stake when you're drafting in dynasty 
than it is a redraft. In a redraft, you just drop them, pick off the waiver wire, and you move on, and it's just costing you a season. But some of these picks can cost you, you know, a rebuild uh, season two to three years. I mean, it's it's just it's crucial. So <clears throat> I was looking at the draft board, and I was really hoping that at that one. 11 spot then that Chris Godwin or Nick Chubb would fall to me. And what do you know, Chris Godwin was the very next pick, which I was very surprised about because that's what I really wanted. And that was a great pick. I think in a full PPR, he's going to the slot. Tom Brady loves that. I think that is a very good pick the first round there. And I was really hoping that I could manipulate the board and still get who I wanted, but it didn't work out. But Alvin Kamara and Nick Chubb are the next two picks. So I'm sitting there looking at Devontae Adams as such a glaring guy that's left. And so I took Devontae Adams with a 111 in a dynasty startup. I thought that was great. And to be fair with you, if, if I would have known that Devontae Adams would have been there at 111, I would have not traded the pick. I'd have taken my second round pick instead. Yeah. And, you know, there's obviously question marks on the future of the Green Bay Packers and what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. How long is he going to be there? But, you know, Demonte Adams is not very old. He's 27, which is kind of the age of these kind of top guys here. Chris Godwin's by far the, the youngest there, but even Tyreek's 26 now. So he's not that old. So say he goes through one or two more years of Aaron Rodgers, but then Jordan Love gets a chance to sit behind Aaron Rodgers for a couple of years, and then the transition is pretty seamless. I mean, Demonte Adams could be a great receiver for the next five, six years and not take a take a hit on his stats, um, even with a quarterback change, which is rare to see. But uh, last pick in the first round was Josh Jacobs, who kind of broke my heart because since I traded Tony uh, for the 2-2, two, 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 I was just slotting him in right there. And then when he got taken, I was thinking, oh, here we go. This is where I get screwed for doing that trade with Tony. <laughs> But uh, yeah, Josh Jacobs rounds out the top, uh, the top twelve, twelve team dynasty startup. So go ahead, Tony, with uh, with the second round here. Patrick Mahomes went right off the board at two one, which is understandable. I I personally have a huge issue with taking a quarterback so early. I understand that you have to with a Patrick Mahomes. You just have to. He's he is the one. He should be the number. He should be the first quarterback off the board. He's going to go early, and if you want him, then you have to get him. So I'm not down on somebody doing that. I think the risks outweigh the rewards. I, I, I do think that was a little bit early for Mahomes. But if I'm wrong, and he's got a career similar to Aaron I mean, I was just looking at Aaron Rodgers. We're going to talk about him later, by the way. The Aaron Rodgers went through like several years of QB1 to QB2. I mean, 1, 2, 1, 2. I don't have it in front of me, so... I'm close enough that I'm confident. You're talking overall. Yes. Right. As, as far as the quarterbacks okay. go. And in a dynasty, I do think that's important. We're going to talk about this with my second round pick, but with Patrick Mahomes, you do get a positional advantage. And I think that is important. The two one I thought was a little early, but again, the guy's on the snake. He did the one twelve and then the two one. So if he wants Patrick, right, Mahomes, there's the variable. That's the variable. Yeah. Yeah. You can't wait. You have to get him if you want him. Yeah. You're 24 picks to your next pick. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. if you're eyeing a guy in the second, it's you don't have you don't have a mid level, you know, you don't have a mid. Um, what am I trying to say here? There's no buffer. There's no buffer there to yeah. To, to so you can't yeah. you can't just wait because yeah. he's going to be gone. I mean, he was mocked in the second. If he's not taken in the second, first couple picks of the third. So 
you know, if you wanted your guy, like you said, go get him. Yeah. It was surprising. Yeah. That's all. That's all I meant by that. I'm not making judgment on it because of the snake. That That's the variable. You're right. It was surprising. Um, the second pick was surprising to me too, though. And that was your pick. Um, so the first pick of the second round was Patrick Mahomes. The second pick, Daniel texted me and Corey, and he said, I'm about to do something crazy. And about a half a second later, Clyde Edwards Hilaire went off the board 14th overall. <laughs> so go ahead and tell us what you were thinking there with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. You know, I, with these dynasty startups, you never know what's going to happen. And I value receivers more than running backs. So taking a running back that high, it was, I don't know. I, I kind of had my my doubts, but with it being a full PPR, with me taking a wide receiver in the first, I had the ability to be a little bit more flexible because if I would have taken a running back in the first day, I would have taken Nick Chubb. I probably wouldn't have made that gamble and started with double running back um, when I have those high caliber wide receivers there. I mean, at the second, third, fourth area, the wide receivers, they're getting a little bit more thin, but you don't have guys like Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, you know, even DJ Moore, you don't have those guys available. So the fact that I got Devontae Adams in first, I was looking down and saying, okay, running back with six running backs, seven running backs taken in the first, it's already starting to get thin. So, I was staring down Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon, Derrick Henry. You know, those were those were the guys that I was considering. They were the only ones that made sense at the ADP, really. And I'll tell you what, if I wouldn't have taken Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I would have taken Miles Sanders. Um, I think the Eagles are going to take the reins off of him and let him go. I really had to choose between Miles Sanders and Clyde Edwards-Alaire because I haven't seen Clyde Edwards-Alaire in NFL. So it's understandable, but I'm not taking Derrick Henry. I'm not taking Joe Mixon. I love Joe Mixon. He's young, but he's threatening to hold out. He's on the Bengals. I mean, there's a lot of variables. So full PPR, Andy Reid took him in the first for the highest flying offense in the league all day. I, you know, it didn't take me long to tell you guys that I was going to do something crazy. It's not like I thought about the pick for an hour. It was about 10 minutes and I was in. (laughs) Well, and, and so, it makes sense that you were weighing him with Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders was the, the next pick off the board after that. So when Patrick Mahomes, Clyde Edward, Edward Tiller, Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon, Amari Cooper, and then I'm on the clock with the pick that would have been yours, and I'm getting the player that I thought was going to be there that I would have to draft just like he dra- just like I had mentioned the one team that drafted Patrick Mahomes. I'm about to do this. I'm about to commit the same sin. I'm drafting George Kittle in the second round, a, a position that I th- – I, we, we can talk a lot about the tight end position, I think. Here's, here's my thought about it in a nutshell. It's a position where the top three or four players of that year matter. You don't always know who they're going to be, but you have a good idea. If you have those players, especially in a 12-team league, it puts you at a positional advantage, whereas your opponent cannot have that player. So they're replacing them with something that's far sub, subpar. Obviously, the point of fantasy football is to have as many points as your starting lineup as you can, possibly can. But with that comes beating, outscoring your opponent. I mean, it's not as simple as having the most. Having a player like George Kittle on your roster means that somebody else has a tight end that's not as likely to score 25 or 28 fantasy points in a game. And so for the same, I feel guilty now having just earlier said the things that I said about Patrick Mahomes and drafting him so early. 
I do still believe that's true because I do still believe there's more volatility at quarterback, but I also fully understand why they took them where he did because he's not coming back. He's not going to make it back. And I want that advantage at that position every single week. So I took George Kittle super happy about it. His role is as solid as it ever could be. And and I just love everything about, I think we got a new Gronk here. I really think that George Kittle might be a new Gronk. Yeah. I mean, he's on another level. I mean, when you look at tight end in a dynasty startup, there is no one you even consider to take over George Kittle. Um, you know, you could look at Travis Kelsey's numbers. Travis Kelsey's four years older than George Kittle. That's four whole seasons that you have of George Kittle. I mean, could you imagine four years from now if George Kittle keeps doing what he's doing? I mean, we're going to be talking like Hall of Fame numbers. Because when Jimmy Garoppolo drops back on this team that just went to the Super Bowl, so he's getting a lot of recognition, which is much deserved because he's a superior blocker, good at everything. He's the first option on that team, which is rare for a tight end. Uh, usually you don't have that. Even on the best offense in the league, I mean, you can consider Tyree Kill the number one option on the Chiefs. And then Mark Andrews is the only other guy that's kind of in that top three to four who is the number one option on that team. But they're a run first team. The 49ers are too. But if you take George Kittle's skill versus Mark Andrews' skill, George Kittle outweighs them by a lot. So just like you said, it's a positional disadvantage to the guy that you're going up against. I was just looking at what George Kittle did in the playoffs, week 14, 15, 16, 18, 26, 18. Yeah. He is not a guy that's hurting your team at all. No. So like the Patrick Mahomes pick, you, you traded down in this second round. So you had 17 picks until your next pick. You weren't going to get George Kittle. No, it wasn't going to happen. So, yeah, so I, I guess I don't blame you. I don't I don't hate it. Um, I do think it's a little early, but, God, if you would have drafted him, where would he have gone? Back of the second? Early yeah. third? Yeah. I mean, he would, have, he would have been taken. I don't, he wouldn't have made it know. to the third. I don't think he would have. I don't yeah. think he would have. So, he, right now, it's a no-brainer to draft George Kittle and draft him early. I hope it works out. After George Kittle was Derrick Henry, DJ Moore. Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Evans, A.J. Brown, and with the 12th pick of the second round, Jonathan Taylor. Anything notable there? I was going to say, is Clyde Edwards-Solaire your biggest surprise in the second? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a little early, but I get it. I get it. Yeah, I think that's a surprise. But seeing, but see, it's all, it's all relative. It's all relative to everything else. When I see Jonathan Taylor at 212, I know that Clyde Edwards Hilaire probably wouldn't make it past the 212. So he's a second round pick for sure because another rookie running back's been taken. So no, I don't think, I think, I think it's a surprise because I wasn't expecting it, but it does make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um, the team that was at 112 for the first overall pick, also the, the, sorry, the 212. Um, reached out to me and said, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to be my pick there. Too bad he didn't slide. So, yeah, he wouldn't have made it out of the second round. I just knew that I wanted him, so I I, I had the early pick. And again, you're talking about 17 picks from your pick. It was also a little while for me, too. So, I picked super early. So, I wanted my guy, and I went and got him. So, rounding out, uh, so 212 was Jonathan Taylor. 3-1, J.K. Dobbin. 3-2, Kenny Galladay. 
Julio Jones, Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham, Keenan Allen, Cortland Sutton. So there goes six wide receivers in a row. Kenyon Drake, DK Metcalf, which by the way, I should back up a little bit. Cortland Sutton was my pick. Um, I was looking at those wide receivers, and honestly, I wanted either Kenny Galladay or Julio Jones to fall to me. After they got picked, I was eyeing Cortland Sutton the whole way. I think uh, the additions to his offense, the young quarterback, the young other two wide receivers that they have, the young tight end, the young really good offensive line, the great defense. I think he's got a heck of a future ahead of him. He's only 24 years old, been in the league two years, and he definitely had a great, great season last year. I mean, when you're looking at PPR points, here's the, here's the start of the season, okay? 19, 8, 13, 24, 19, 11, 14, 10, 17, going into the bye, 18, 23. I mean, he only had a couple weeks in there where he didn't get 10. So I, I'm super excited about my Cortland Sutton pick there in the third. Kenyon Drake went off the board right after that, and then DK Metcalf, Austin Eckler, and then your pick there at 311. I'll, I'll go ahead with your pick. Kenyon Drake broke my heart at 308. My plan was three, was the 311 to be spent on Kenyon Drake. He was much deeper than that in ADP. I'd mocked him at 311 50 times out of 100. Um, I mean, I, I thought for sure he was going to be there. It was actually my fiance who reached out and took him away from me, which is fine, but really <laughs> brutal, honestly. Thank you. So Allen Robinson was still there, and I believe that Allen Robinson could be a top 10 dynasty wide receiver. The value was good enough. I love having wide receivers early. Tyreek Hill is my one. Allen Robinson is my two. Sounds good to me. So let's just go. Let's get the wide receivers out of the way. But here's my problem. The running backs are going to dry up so quickly. Austin Eckler was my backup plan, and he went one pick before me. So here I am left with a bunch of question marks at the running back position. So I went ahead and took Allen Robinson. I don't feel bad about it. I'm really, really looking forward to having those two wide receivers. Well, here's the thing. You've got question marks at running back, but other guys have question marks at tight end because they don't have George Kittle. No, it's the truth. I understand. I understand. So, yeah, that's that's the threat. You know, you take you take a quarterback early or you take a tight end early, yeah. you're, you're going you're gonna to struggle at a position. Yeah. But the good thing about Dynasty is you could draft out of it. You could trade out of it. You know, you could you could figure something out, but you've got an asset in George Kittle that's essentially untradeable. Well, yeah, so, yeah, I, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I mean, for the right price, everyone's everyone's for sale. But yeah, and then Travis Kelsey rounds out the third round. So, um, like I mentioned with Kelsey's production, I mean, you can't ignore it. I mean, I know the guy is getting older; uh, he's thirty, but the same guy that drafted Pat Mahomes drafted Travis Kelsey. And it's only fitting that I think that that's the perfect scenario of Travis Kelsey going that early is that you get that stack. So that was super important. I mean, the same guy looking at the, looking at the situation of here we go, another 24 picks before my pick, you know, Kelsey. And he's probably thinking that, you know, he may not even have a shot at Mark Andrews at this point by the time he gets around to his next pick in the fifth round. Yeah. And he already has Patrick Mahomes. If you have Patrick Mahomes that early, how could you not be looking at Travis Kelsey? At least considering that option. I mean, I remember sitting there with you and I remember looking at the next players on the board and I said, man, if I'm this guy, I'm going to have a hard time not taking Travis Kelsey. 
because that stack yeah, is I remember so, you said that. that's so such a good, fun stack to have. I listen, the truth is that this team went on to draft draft well enough late in the draft that I think they recovered perfectly from this risk. They took a lot of risk here, but it's fun. I mean, that's going to be a fun team to own and to, to root for. That's for sure. Yeah. But that, you know, we're looking at that team, you know, we got Josh Jacobs in the first Patrick Mahomes in the second and Travis Kelsey in the third. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of risk because you take a quarterback and a tight end, but if you're going up against that team this year, yeah. You're you're looking at them on the schedule going, Holy crap. Yeah. I hope the Chiefs play someone really hard and it's it's just gonna be the worst game he has this year because th- that stack is brutal looking, to go up against. Looking down the draft board, this is actually one of my favorite teams in the draft. They actually did a really, really, really solid job in those mid to late rounds. We'll talk about that later. Round four. Aaron Jones, four oh one. Todd Gurley. Oh, I took Todd Gurley, by the way. I like the situation and, and I like this. I like the, I like the idea of it. He's not very old. I know his knees, everybody, it's the same stuff. Everybody already knows his knees are bonk, but the offense is exciting. I don't think he's done. I think there's a pain management thing that he's going to have to figure out. I think there's a workload management. I think the days of Todd Gurley being top five running back in the league, they're probably over, but I think he's a viable RB one. I think he can be the top 12 in the league. Um, there's plenty of passing volume there in Atlanta and I expect him to get the goal line work. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. I I put myself in a position where I have to have, I have to trust Todd Gurley to be my RB one. I don't like that, but I would rather have, like we talked about earlier, the wide receiver depth and that advantage at the tight end position. And I'll figure out running back either this year or next year. We'll figure, we'll, we'll just figure it out as this team goes on. So I took Todd Gurley. I'm happy with that. Yeah. So uh, I'll ask you this. Um, because you were pretty much like you had said, you drafted wide receiver, tight end, wide receiver. So you are almost made to make that decision running back because it's going to drive quick by your next pick. But let me ask you this: If Aaron Jones is still there, would you have taken Aaron Jones over Todd Gurley? No, I would have taken Todd Gurley. Interesting, but you like Todd Gurley enough to where you wouldn't take him over. I'm just looking at kind of the next guy. It's like a like Cam Akers who replaced him um, in LA, uh, Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette, no. David Montgomery, maybe for no, Swift. no, 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 no. Cam Akers is interesting, but Malcolm Brown exists and the Rams like Malcolm Brown so much that they signed him back to the offer. Uh, they matched the offer that the lions made to him. They also spent a third round pick last year on Daryl Henderson, which I, by the way, am not a fan of, but it doesn't matter. They spent a third round pick on him and they like Malcolm Brown. I don't know. I don't know what to expect out of Cam Akers. I just don't know what to expect out of him. I'm going to let somebody else figure it out because the talent is great, but this is a team that just cut Todd Gurley. I mean, they just cut him. They just let him go. I don't know that they're going to get married to another running back right now. They may have learned their lesson. And so I'm not saying Cam Akers can't be a feature back or won't be, but I'm not, I'm not taking the risk on it. Not in the fourth round. Not in the fourth round. And and DeAndre Swift has the same problem. Carryon Johnson exists. Melvin Gordon is maybe be the closest, the next up running back for me. But even still, a new running back in a new system with Philip Lindsay. I don't I I felt like Todd Gurley had the clearest path to touches of all the running backs that were left outside of maybe David Montgomery, but the tiebreaker would be obviously Todd Gurley is much more talented than David Montgomery. Okay. 
I, I was just curious what your what your line of thinking there. I mean, in Atlanta, there with getting rid of Devonta Freeman and Edo Smith has proved that he's not very good. I think that Todd Gurley has the most opportunity. You know, you're talking about those next guys. It's going to be timeshares everywhere. You know, Melvin Gordon, he's going to be split time with Philip Lindsay and possibly Royce Freeman if he makes the yeah, roster. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, Todd Gurley, this being a full PPR, he's going to get passing work because he's a great pass catching running back and he's going to get goal line work. So, um, obviously, the only risk is the knee. Yeah, that's the risk. That's the risk. So after Todd Gurley was Terry McLaurin, Cam Akers, Calvin Ridley, DeAndre Swift, Lamar Jackson is the next quarterback off the board. I think that's relevant. So Patrick Mahomes was drafted 2-1, and we went all the way into the fourth round before, before the next quarterback went off the board. We'll talk about that more later because the quarterbacks continue to fall. After Lamar Jackson was DJ Chark, Tyler Lockett, Melvin Gordon, Debo Samuel, and the last pick of the fourth round, David Montgomery. Yeah, my pick was DeAndre Swift. Um, like I said earlier, I don't want to pin myself down and go like one position heavy because that forces me to almost do the next position that I want to pick heavy just to counterbalance everything. So I, I really liked how this draft started with me. I took wide receiver, running back, wide receiver. Even if I would have taken another wide receiver at that point, I would have been okay. But it kind of fit perfectly to take wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, running back to start this draft. It's kind of like what you were saying. You know, we have so Cam Akers is off the board at the time of my pick. I was looking down the board on the next available running backs, and Melvin Gordon and David Montgomery were both taken in my, my same round. But I was looking at Leonard Fournette, Chris Carson, James Conner. You know, I was thinking we haven't seen. DeAndre Swift yet. And coming in to the draft, it seemed like he was kind of the arguable number one talent at running back that everyone kind of had on their boards. And the Detroit Lions used the 35th overall pick on DeAndre Swift. Third pick in the second round. And Carrion has had a hell of a time staying on the field. He's been kind of injury prone and Part of me thinks that they might trade him. They might get rid of him. I'm not sold on this being a committee. If it is, it's going to be very strange. But I think DeAndre Swift, if Portland, sorry, if Carrion Johnson makes it all the way through the season, I think DeAndre Swift is going to supplant Carrion Johnson. So I was, I was kind of happy with that pick. A young rookie running back who, just because of his landing spot, kind of falling down some boards, but as far as the talent goes, it's all there. I, I love that pick. Yeah, the talent's there, and you're you're right. I mean, Carrion hasn't been on the field. I don't think he's finished. He's, this is, this is, he's going into his third year now, right? Who, Carrion? Yeah. Uh, yes, he's already so, played two years. Well, so. so both of his first seasons, he ended on injured reserve. Is that right? Both seasons. I, that sounds right. Okay. I know it was the last two. So if he's only been in the league now three years, then yeah, I can understand it. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know yet. You might be right. That's the thing. That's the thing that excited me is that we don't know. A lot of this in this round, we did know. You know, they're going to, in Denver, they're going to keep Philip Lindsay. They may not keep Royce Freeman, but Melvin Gordon is going to be a timeshare. David Montgomery, there's that 
that whole, are they going to go with Nick Foles? Are they going to make bad decisions? Is he going to suffer with Nick Foles? Or, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, is he going to suffer with Mitchell Trubisky? Are they actually going to do the smart thing and go with Nick Foles? You, they're going um, with Nick Foles. You know that. Come on. I I know that because I want to know that. Like, <laughs> I really hope that they make the right decision here. And, you know, Leonard Fournette, he's gone. I mean, if he's a Jacksonville Jaguar this whole year, okay. But he's definitely not lasting another year in Jacksonville. And is his situation going to get worse? And is he going to be in a timeshare next year with a worse team than Jacksonville even, which is really hard to imagine, but it happens. It does happen. And so that was super risky for the fifth round um, in a dynasty startup, but you never know. Yep. So after, you never know. So after David Montgomery was Henry Ruggs, he started off the fifth round and you've already talked about Fournette, a couple in between. Yeah. So um, Henry Ruggs, Stephon Diggs went next and then Mark Andrews. So the third tight end um, right at the the beginning of the fifth round there, Leonard Fournette, Jerry Judy, E.D. Lamb. So a couple of rookie wide receivers there went Tyler Boyd, Devin Singletary, James Conner, Chris Carson, Tyler Murray, and Adam Thielen. So the third quarterback goes off the board into the fifth. And I'll tell you this too, um, my pick in there was Tyler Boyd, and I should be happier than I am for this pick, but I really wanted one of those rookies that went right ahead of me, Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb. I probably offered, since I picked DeAndre Swift, I probably offered five teams a trade to try and move up to try and get Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb just because I wanted to land one of those guys. You know, they're, they're the hot rookies right now, taking in the first round, super early. I just wanted one of them. And so Tyler Boyd was my pick there. It's a full PPR. He should be a good safety blanket for Joe Burrow, and I should be happier about that pick. But it's just because I wanted C.D. Lamb or Gary Judy in that round that I kind of feel like I got robbed in that round. So I'm not as excited about the fifth round as I was the, the third or the fourth. The fifth round. And your pick was traded away. Yeah, so I actually you didn't have did, a pick yeah. in that round. I traded out of that round. Yeah. I traded down. Yeah. The, that round was sadness. Round. That was no, that round was, was sad for me too. Seeing Mark Andrews for the same I'm going back to this Patrick Mahomes thing, dude. I can't get off it. I'm sorry. The, no, go ahead. the problem with me taking George Kittle and him taking Patrick Mahomes is the rest of the league didn't fall for our trap, and Mark Andrews fell all the way to the fifth round. So that team that took Mark Andrews, their first three picks were Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, Julio Jones. They've got a They've got two wide receivers every week for the next like 50 years. I mean, they're set at wide receiver and they still have a positional advantage. I believe that Mark Andrews is, is a top end talent. And that tells me that I reached too soon on George Kittle, that even if I, even if I would have missed out on George Kittle, I could have gotten Mark Andrews in the fourth, I guess not in the fifth, but I could have waited two additional rounds to get my tight end. And I would have still been happy with it. So seeing Mark Andrews fall that far, it did kind of break my heart a little bit. But that's that's the way it goes. Am I up for the sixth round? Uh, yep, in the sixth round. I'll, I'll agree with you too. You know, we're through six rounds and three quarterbacks have been off the board and they're very sporadic, you know, where they went. One went in the second, 
one went in the fourth and one went in the fifth. And we'll, we'll kind of talk about this as we go, but the guys that took quarterbacks early really regretted it, I bet, by the end of this. We didn't take, who didn't take Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson just because they're the consensus top two. And maybe the guy that took Kyler Murray's still pretty happy about it. But after this, there's a big break here. The, the guy that took Patrick ahead, Mahomes, but- though, took Adam Thielen and T.Y. Hilton with the 512 and the 611. I mean, for a guy who went, who drafted no wide receivers in the first four rounds, he has two wide receiver ones for this year. So that's impressive, yeah. by the way. Good value. That shouldn't happen. It shouldn't that happen. shouldn't happen. You yeah. should be more punished by taking a quarterback and a tight end that soon, but he's not going to suffer this year by any means. Not at all. It's coming, though. It is coming, but not today. After T.Y. Hilton, T.Y. Hilton was 6-1. Robert Woods and then the quarterbacks. Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, take a short break, Jarvis Landry, and then Red Zone Chasers, my friend, Keyshawn Vaughn. Did you reach for Keyshawn Vaughn? I did. Uh, It's kind of another crazy pick for me. I wasn't overwhelmed. It was kind of the exact same scenario that I had with Edward Solaire and DeAndre Swift. I looked at these upcoming guys, and I'm like, you know what? I've had a pretty good draft with, like I say, you know, the teeter-totter, I, I like to keep it everything everything pretty even. It went wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, running back, wide receiver. So I was thinking, you know, this is wide open. I'll just take the best guy available. And I looked, this was a very underwhelming round for me. I was looking at the wide receivers, the tight ends even. I was considering those after Mark Andrews went off even. I was looking at quarterback. I was considering everything. But I feel like... Looking at Kareem Hunt, Le'Veon Bell, you know, the next running backs that were available, it kind of wasn't very exciting for me. And then I looked at wide receivers, and it was kind of just rookies, second-year guys, and I was playing ADPs as well, which kind of came back to haunt me. I probably could have waited around, but I was also eyeing these couple wide receivers that I was thinking, well, I'll just get them in the next round. That's That's perfect. And it kind of ended up not working in my favor, but I'm actually really excited about this pick. I feel like Tampa Bay is not sold on their running back room. They already didn't re-sign Peyton Barber. He's gone. And so Keyshawn Vaughn, who they ended up taking in the third round, has to go up against Ronald Jones to compete for the starting running back job. Are you kidding me? On a Tom Brady-led stacked Tampa Bay offense, So it was kind of a DeAndre Swift factor of we don't know what's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen, we're in the sixth round already. I'm okay. But if it does, I feel like I kind of got a steal. But I did. I did kind of reach for him as far as ADP. That was another one where I texted someone and said, you ready for this? Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, I get the logic. I'm I'm excited about Keyshawn Bond, too. In a rookie draft, he fell into the second round. I got him in like the seventh pick of the second round in a rookie draft in one league. And I felt like it was Christmas morning. I I like him a lot. And and a lot of the guys that I follow like him a lot too. So uh, all the way up the board, uh, people are paying attention to Keyshawn Vaughn and they were before he was drafted to Tampa Bay. So quietly, maybe underrated. You have to really be paying attention to have known who he was before the draft happened, maybe. But the people who were paying attention to him before I was paying attention to him, they like him a lot. So I follow that and it makes sense to me. And then, and yeah, I mean, come on, Ronald Jones, come on. Yeah. Yeah. 
After Keyshawn and he Vaughn. Was the, Go ahead. Sorry, I'm counting eight, nine. So he was the 10th rookie that was picked. So if you're talking about him sliding into the 2-7 for you in your rookie draft, which is a home run, that's only seven picks off. So, you know, I was considering everything there and I was doing the math and I was thinking, you know, if I had the 110 in this year's rookie draft and I was sitting there running back knee to team looking at Keyshawn Bond, that'd be a no-brainer. Yeah, I'd take him at 110. those other guys, yeah, those other guys are going to be gone. Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, K.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards-Solaire, those are all going to be gone. So Keyshawn Bond, I think, I think it was a pretty good pick there yeah. for me, and I hope it'll end up that way. That was a good that was a good catch, by the way. And when you point out that it was the tenth rookie taken, that makes it seem like it wasn't a reach at all. That might be right where he belongs. A little rich for me, but not a reach. Yeah. Justin Jefferson, another rookie taken right after Keyshawn Vaughn. Kareem Hunt, Evan Ingram. There's another tight end. Get ready for more tight ends, by the way, guys. Russell Wilson, another quarterback. And I took Le'Veon Bell. It was it's the same same talk that that Daniel just gave about Keyshawn Vaughn and DeAndre Swift. My my theory in these in these rounds is I'm building my floor now. In in the early rounds, I want a stud, obviously, and in these middle rounds, I want the highest floor I can possibly get because I'm about to start swinging for the fences, and I want a roster that I can start every week in case it doesn't work out. Le'Veon Bell is not somebody that I'm excited to own in a fantasy football league, but he gets me through as my RB2. I can count on to touch the ball. What is it going to be, 15 times a game and four passing attempts, five? I, I, yeah, I, I don't know, but I can live with that number. As an RB2, I feel like he's got a lot of upside and a higher floor than a lot of these other guys left on the board. Now, there was one other that I was going to go back for. We'll talk about that soon. Um, I honestly actually regret not taking that guy over Le'Veon Bell, but I did take Le'Veon Bell. I do like his floor and I feel okay about him being my RB two for a couple of years. Last pick of the round, Marquise Brown take over the seventh Daniel. So, um, Marquise Brown and then Darius Slayton went seven one. It was a guy that I was trying to make a play for. I mentioned I was playing the ADP game. I was really hoping that Darius Slayton would come back around to me. The giants didn't really address wide receiver in the draft. He was kind of the guy that came away with the with the most impressive uh, season with Daniel Jones at the helm first. Um, so I was really excited about Darius Slayton. He's been in the league for one year and he's already making strides there. And then your pick, because uh, you traded, you traded out of some earlier rounds. You had that pick, Le'Veon Bell there at the six eleven. He had the seven two. I'm going to need you to explain this one to me. When I made my pick at seven two. I was immediately disgusted with myself. I think I texted something like that to you guys, to both of you. Like the second I hit the button, it made me sick to my stomach. I've chose Zach Ertz as my second tight end. I'm the only player, only league, only team in the league with two tight ends now, but they're George Kittle and they're Zach Ertz. And here's, I guess this is the, the point. It got to a point to me where I felt like it was so egregious that I had to punish you guys because there is a positional scarcity there. You can only start one. You have to start one. And there's really only three or four worth of crap. I think that most weeks, Zach Ertz is worth a crap. And so he's fallen all the way down to, what is this pick? The, let me find out what pick this is. Seven, two. No, I'm going to get that number. 
He's fallen all the way to the 74th overall player. I, I mean, I feel like at this point, I'm just taking something so that somebody else can't have it. I don't like it. I don't try to draft that way. I don't think that's a winning strategy or a winning formula. But now I know for sure every week I've got a tight end that I can start no matter what happens, God forbid. And I'm keeping him away from somebody else. Zach Ertz is going to be a flex player for me. At this point, I also looked at uh, Devontae Parker, Will Fuller. I mean, there's a good example. I may start Zach Ertz more week than I would more weeks than I would start Will Fuller just because of dependability and him being on the field. I mean, maybe that's not fair, but Will Fuller's relatively boomer bust anyway. That's what we're talking about here. Jalen Reger, Michael well, Gallup. What if Tua, what if Tua takes over at quarterback at Miami halfway through the year? I mean, there's weeks where you won't be able to start Devontae Parker. Yeah. As well. No, no, I totally get it. That's what we're looking at here. And then mixed in with other tight ends like Hunter Henry, who I was, I'm a huge fan of Hunter Henry as an athlete, but there's some question marks now that Phillip Rivers is not in town. Darren Waller's got the same problem. Now he went from being the only option to one of the last options. We're caught in this tight end purgatory here. This is the part of the tight end zone that I think is scary. There's a bunch of upside here, but there's, there's so many, there's so much fluctuation in this five to 10 tight end five to 10 area that I don't think Zach Ertz belongs here. So I'm taking him out, even though I don't need it. He's a flex player for me. I'll take Zach Ertz because of a positional advantage. Yeah. I looking at the draft board, I didn't get it, but now going through your mindset there, you know, when you, when you tear out these, these tight ends, you can argue that George Kittle and Travis Kelsey are on their own tier and maybe George Kittle being in his own tier just because of his age. Yeah, maybe. But then, but then the second tier with being Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews, you could easily work in Zach Ertz there. And if he's not being worked in there, he's definitely in a tier in his own before a break in these other guys. You mentioned Hunter Henry, Darren Waller. I mean, those guys aren't the same tier as Zach Ertz. No. You're talking about the first option on their team. Zach Ertz is by far the first option on the Eagles team. I mean, who else are they going to throw to this year? Jalen Reger? So, I mean, I didn't like it at the time. I was thinking, you know, well, he's just kind of hurting himself. But looking at these guys around around you, it may not be the worst thing. You mentioned you can only start one. We have two flex spots. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what you I meant. definitely yeah. start both of those guys. Yeah. And in a full PPR with Zach Ertz, I mean, are you kidding me? Two years ago. People were dying. They were lining up to get Zach Ertz in a dynasty. You know, he was mid mid twenties, and I'm just scrolling through here. He had four weeks of the year in the fantasy year where he didn't hit double digits. I mean, isn't that what you want from tight end? And you've got two of them. So after your explanation, there kind of sold me on it. I don't mind it anymore. And and the reality <laughs> is, you don't ever draft a player to trade them. But the reality is, with a position like tight end, if you have a top end tier, I'm going to be able, listen, you can't make a trade right now because everybody's looking at the draft board, but come August or September, when somebody needs a tight end, they're going to give me better value than I paid for Zach Ertz. That's all there is to it. I mean, that's just all there is to it. Yeah, it might be me because I was one of the ones that waited super long. <laughs> but yeah, so um, Gary Slayton, 7-1, Zach Ertz. Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, and then a couple tight ends, Hunter Henry and Darren Waller, went 7-5 and 7-06. And then my pick here, I actually went with 
another running back because I was looking at it, the running backs, and I it was really starting to dry up. And I was thinking, you know, there's one guy that's really fallen that I think could make a much better season out of what he did last year, and that's David Johnson. This is a full PPR. They just got he just got traded to the Houston Texans, who picked up his entire contract. They really want him. They traded away DeAndre Hopkins in the same transaction, so that actually helps David Johnson even more because they're going to have to throw it to David Johnson to move that ball down the field. Um, hopefully, their defense, you know, makes a bigger impact this year. And if they does, if it does, that's a better opportunity for David Johnson to get more rushes. But he's he's 28. He's going to be on a team with Deshaun Watson, who's very very talented. I was very happy with that David Johnson pick. I know he got supplanted last year in Arizona, but they were kind of already over it at that point. You know, I think David Johnson with a new birth, he's, he's already said, I'm excited for a clean slate, a new beginning in Houston. I'm really excited with that pick. And I think he's a tier above all these next running backs that were taken. Um, very next pick, Jalen Rager, uh, another rookie. And then Michael Gallup, 709. I think that's a good great value pick. I think the, the addition of CeeDee Lamb really dropped Michael Gallup. If CeeDee Lamb wasn't drafted, where do you think Michael Gallup would have gone round-wise? At least two rounds earlier or one? No, he'd been around four or five. I think he'd have I gone mean, after, like where Debo Samuel went at 411, you could start talking about, you could start talking about him. Uh, Henry Ruggs, 5-1. So yeah, he'd be in, he'd be a fifth round pick with Tyler Boyd or with uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. For sure. Yeah, for sure, especially with the season Dak just had on that offense. Yeah. And Michael Gallup had a heck of a year, and no one's talking about it because they just drafted C.D. Lamb. Yeah. So what if C.D. Lamb gets hurt? Michael Gallup is going to explode in his third season. He's only 24 years old. He's played two years. I think I think he's going to be great. And then Mike Williams, and then Noah Fant, another tight end there. So four tight ends in the seventh, and then Christian Kirk to round out the seventh. Do you think I started that run? Do you think I dried it up? I think you did because if Zacherts was still there, Hunter Henry wouldn't have been drafted there. Aaron Waller wouldn't have been drafted there. I mean, you could you could move these guys down at least one more slot yeah. as far as the tight end goes. That's and good. the only one that's considered out of place is Noah Fant. But I totally get it because I love that Denver offense. And I think that out of these guys, we know what Zacherts is. He's getting a little up there in age. He's not going to have the best season of his life next year. Hunter Henry, I mean, God, we saw flashes, but he hasn't been able to stay on the field. And now he's got a rookie quarterback that's going to be starting, I assume, you know, by week four or five, Tyron Taylor. Darren Waller, I mean, the frustrating thing about Darren Waller is he's not the goal line tight end. Very, very frustrating. I owned Darren Waller last year in a couple leagues, and they got – even if Darren Waller drove them all the way down the field, they would sub in Foster Moreau in a heartbeat. And John Gruden was smiling about it all the way home. I mean, Foster Moreau killed Darren Waller's fantasy production just because of red zone touchdowns. And guess what? Foster Moreau's still there. It's not going to change. So I definitely think that he started that run. I'm glad that you mentioned Noah Fant too, because that pick actually was my pick. It's the 7 I traded out. Oh, the Seven Eleven. I like that. I traded out of that pick. I kept trading down, and this time it burned me. Um, I wanted Brandon Cooks. I was targeting Brandon Cooks. I thought I'd still be able to get him, but I had traded Corey earlier, 
I had to give up an eighth to move up to a sixth or something. I don't have the trade in front of me. Um, but in an earlier trade with Corey, I gave him my, my pick on the turn there and he took Brandon Cooks. So he didn't fall the two more spots that I wanted him to. So uh, the eighth round, did we go all the way through? Did you go to Christian Kirk? Yep. Yep. So eight, one Raheem Moster. I think that was a steal. Raheem Moster wasn't a starter going into late in the year. I mentioned that the 49ers are in the Super Bowl. Raheem Moster was a huge part of that. And they still had a healthy Tevin Coleman on that team. So they brought in to be their running back. Raheem Moster was a depth add for them. And he looked great. Um, I reached out to, I reached out to him after that pick and he said it was glaringly obvious at that point. And, you know, leading up to that point, I bet it wasn't glaringly obvious for those guys that, that were making those picks. But I think as far as the running backs that are left, like I said, it's getting super thin. I think that was a great pick. No, I think it was a good pick. I think they've done a great job. I mean, I, every round we go down, I go back to this team and they are a win now team. After Raheem Mostert, it was Brandon Cooks, Mike Gusecki, Nikhil Harry. I'm back on the clock. And this is the one pick that I regret. I picked Marlon Mack. I hope he's good for a year. He was my first flex player, or my first bench player, I should say. I, I'm very, very worried that I wasted my eighth round pick because it, I wish it would have been Brandon Cooks. I screwed up. It's not. I chose Marlon Mack instead of. It was the same thing that we just talked about with Raheem Mostert. There's a glaring need here. Darius Geis, Carrion Johnson, Zach Moss. And then we're on to backup running backs. I mean, that's it. We're, we're out of, of time to pick running backs. And I waited too long. So I had no choice. I took Marlon Mack. I know he's going to be supplanted by the second round pick, Jonathan Taylor, both in the NFL draft and in this fantasy draft. I hope I've got a whole season. That's, that's kind of what I'm hoping for here is one full season of a running back two with upside. Yeah, and you may not. Um, yeah. but the good thing is they may decide, I mean, the culture keep saying, Oh, they're a great one, one punch. They're not even calling it a one, two punch anymore. The one, one punch, <laughs> they yeah. can trade him. And Andrew Luck's fine. Buddy. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, they could trade him. He could be on a better situation tomorrow and we don't know it. I mean, would you be shocked if they traded him? I'd be before shocked before the season yeah. started. He's on a one-year deal. There's you no, would be. Yeah, I'd be shocked. There's no incentive okay. for them. They can't get enough compensation. There's no incentive. I agree under this rookie contract that they wouldn't. Yeah. Um, but do you see him resigning? I'll put it that way. That's a better question. Do you no. see him resigning? No. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping. This, I'm hoping this is a year that they showcase him and they let Jonathan Taylor build up throughout the year. I think best case scenario. I don't have Marlon Mack for the fantasy football playoffs. That's best case scenario. Yeah. Well, like you said, we're getting thin at running back. So maybe that might be best case scenario at this point. I think it is after Marlon Mack was Michael Pittman, then Mark Ingram. That's the back that I was considering instead of Marlon Mack for the same reasons with the same downfalls. Brandon Ayuk, Darius Geis, Austin Hooper, carry on Johnson and Zach Moss rounds out the eighth round. Yeah, so my pick in there was um, right after yours. We had back-to-back picks in that round. You picked Marlon Mack. Um, I picked Michael Pittman Jr. 
I'm very excited for him to come in and compete for the Colts' number two wide receiver job. Um, he's built like an X receiver. So if T.Y. Hilton you know, came out today that he wants to be a Colt for life, that he re-signs for another couple of years, Michael Pittman's going to be the number one on that offense. Um, with his build of 6'4", 223, and he's built to carry that team as the number one option of the outside receiver. And then T.Y. Hilton, you may see him move into the slot, which he does great in the slot or the outside. But um, took another rookie. So if you're counting, that is four rookies for me in the first eight picks. I went very young in this dynasty startup draft. Usually I would go more win now, but I'm hoping that my <laughs> rookies can make more of a difference this year that, uh, that I'm not just waiting on next year. But um, yeah, I dropped it very young, but I was, I was pretty excited with my Michael Pittman, um, Michael Pittman pick there. Where do you see him finishing as far as wide receivers go? In fantasy this year? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't want to count them all up. Looks like he was drafted at 25 or 30. Is that about right? Yeah, I think he'll finish below that this year. It's hard to predict what a rookie is going to do especially in his first year. Um, you know, even though Philip Rivers is a veteran at his first year in this offense, um, I know he's worked with Frank Reich before, but I imagine Frank Reich has changed his offensive schemes since the last time he's been with Philip Rivers. But even if he comes in and he's number two day one, I, I mean, wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside, I mean, is that kind of what you're predicting as well? So he was drafted wide receiver 44, it looks like. So yeah, if you got wide okay, receiver. 44. Yeah. So yeah, wide receiver three, that, that'd be a reasonable expectation. Uh, based on what you paid out of the draft, that would be gain, I guess. Top 36 would be wide receiver three. Um, yeah. I don't draft Mike. I didn't draft Michael Pittman Jr. to start this year. I'll put it that way. Um, he might be a fill-in, like a great matchup. I know he's been doing great. Let's throw him in there kind of kind of thing. But I don't envision me starting Michael Pittman very much throughout this year. Um, so very unpredictable wide receiver three is what I'm considering him this year. But with yeah. the upside of maybe being wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver two next year. Yeah, I think that's a good valuation. You want to take over round nine? So round nine starts with LaVisca Chenault, Dallas Goddard, the number two tight end, it's very interesting uh, in Philly. The tight ends go two rounds different. Um, the starting tight end and the backup tight end. No one knows what's really going to happen there. Are they going to run a two tight end set? Is Zachert going to kind of be on a shorter leash with Dallas Goddard there? It's kind of interesting, but um, no other team is like that. Not even close to where two tight ends are being drafted on the same team that close. Not even close. Not even close. That's why Zach Ertz fell. Do you, what do you think now seeing now hearing my Zach Ertz logic and then seeing Dallas Goddard, I think he was drafted at about the right spot. Um, I would argue there were a couple of other guys at that position I would take first, but I understand why you would take him there. I guess what's your thought on that whole situation? Zach Ertz is not going to lose his job to Dallas Goddard if he is on the field. 
if Zach Ertz gets hurt and Dallas Goddard takes over and the offense just happens to do a little better, which would have nothing to do with Zach Ertz, then I could possibly see that scenario playing out. But if Zach Ertz is on the field, there's no way that you're you're going to convince me that Dallas Goddard is a better tight end than Zach Ertz. I like Dallas Goddard. I'm a huge fan. I like watching him. Um, I hope they keep running a two tight end set and maybe confusing defenses a little bit more because I think they have two really talented tight ends on that team. But I don't think if Zach Ertz stays healthy enough to play through a lot of games, he's not going to just go and lose his job to Dallas Goddard because he's younger and better. Yeah. Because he's not better. No, he's not. So that's my case on the Philly scenario there. I like Dallas Goddard, super talented, not as talented as Eckert. Super talented. And Ertz is getting older. I mean, there's a real opportunity for Dallas Goddard to take over. That does exist. I, I agree. I just wanted your perspective on it. It makes sense. I don't think he's going to take over either. But I do worry a little bit about him carving into that number one role. You'd mentioned Zacherts being the number one receiver. Dallas Goddard could carve into that a little bit. And Jalen Rager could carve into that a little bit. And the next thing you know, maybe Zacherts does get watered down a little bit. That's what I was kind of asking. So you gave me my answer. It could happen. Yeah, you gave me my answer, though. Yeah. So after yeah. Goddard... T. Higgins, another rookie wide receiver. Uh, Josh Allen. So we haven't had a quarterback in, uh, let's see, that's the 904. We haven't had a quarterback since the 603. So already those guys in the sixth round, three quarterbacks went in the sixth round, and you don't see a quarterback go off the board for three rounds. You're thinking, oh, crap, I reached for a quarterback. <laughs> but uh, the 905 was Tariq Cohen. Uh, the 910 was Deontay Johnson. My pick, um, I was sitting there after the Deontay Johnson pick, and I really wanted Deontay Johnson to fall to me because he was supposed to. The rankings had him kind of buried at this point, which didn't make sense to me. And so I went ahead and just traded the guy that just took Deontay Johnson, and I got Deontay Johnson. He was taking a pick before my pick, but I went ahead and just made sure I got him. Um, he was, he was just my guy there. It's just kind of the feeling that I have. I think he's going to make a good ascension with Big Ben back. And I think he's a very talented wide receiver. So in place of my pick with that trade was Denzel Mims, which is a very talented rookie wide receiver, by the way. If it wasn't going to be Deontay Johnson, I would have taken Denzel Mims. So regardless of who was picking in those two slots, that's how that would have worked out. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, 908. A.J. Green, the 909, Sony Michelle, Robbie Anderson, and Nico Hardman rounded out that ninth round. Um, any takeaways from that round? That oh, you could yeah. See? The ninth round was very emotional for me. So you remember when I talked about Brandon Cooks and how bad I wanted him earlier and how I had traded out my seventh round pick and was left with Marlon Mack as a result? Sorry, I, I skipped over your pick there. I apologize. What do you mean? What are you talking about? I, I didn't. Yeah. I anyway. didn't let you go through your, your no, no, pick no, there. No, 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 you're okay. Listen, here's what I'm saying. That's fine. I traded out of the seventh round into the eighth because the person who won it in told me they wanted TJ Hawkinson. 
And that was the timer that took like four hours for me to finish. It was the only one that I just didn't get to. So next thing you know, they don't take TJ Hawkinson. They take Noah Fant instead. And when I asked them about it, they said, hey, I changed my mind. I said, well, that's not a problem. I don't care what you do with the pick. Anyway, long story short, the TJ Hawkinson fell from the seventh all the way to the ninth, and it went to the same owner. So the owner that wanted Hawkinson that traded for me got Fant and Hawkinson. They've got two of the, I think, my favorite young tight ends are on that same roster, and I got stuck with Marlon Mack as my consolation. So just so you know, the ninth round really broke my heart in a lot of different ways. <laughs> but it was also interesting yeah. because you traded for Deontay Johnson. I don't want to get too far away from... Corey actually did something I'd never seen before. I'd never seen a player be traded. So a player that had already been picked traded in the draft with picks. I'd never seen that before this draft. And Corey did that earlier. He had drafted Kenny Galladay and he traded down to DK Metcalf to trade up in a later round. I thought that was fascinating. And then you did it too. So it happened twice with the Deontay Johnson trade, man, that's a lot of info. That's a lot to follow. Sorry, guys. The point is, Two teams traded players that had already been drafted, and it blew my mind in this draft. And this round was just mind-boggling. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, it was very emotional for me, too, because I think, I think you were in the conversation, and I was one pick away, and you said, do you have your guy? And I said, yes. And then as soon as the guy picked right in front of me, Deontay Johnson, I immediately was thinking, Oh, God, here we go. This hasn't happened to me yet this draft. Just a straight snipe feeling. So I just had to make it happen. I was I was too bought in at that point. I was too deep. I, I just had my mindset. Watched Enzo Mims be the rookie of the year and be the steal of the <laughs> round. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I was the fool that traded back to get my guy. To get Deontay so Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope you're yeah. not a fool, buddy. We'll find out soon enough. I'm gonna do. I the, hope so. I'm gonna do the tenth round, and then I think we should wrap it up after that. The round. This draft went on for like what fifty rounds? How many rounds was it? About fifty. It was twenty eight rounds. It felt like fifty. <laughs> it felt like fifty. Shit! I rolled so down. I rolled so far down. I can't find where we were at. Ten one. Curtis Samuel. Jamison Crowder. I picked Jamison Crowder, and I freaking love it. I love Jamison Crowder in the tenth round. Here's the deal. Slot receiver with a young quarterback who's getting, he's fully healthy. I mean, come on. The mono thing was real. Give him some, give him, give him some slack here. Okay. We're going to see what happens with Sam Darnold. Robbie Anderson's out of the picture. Jamison Crowder is going to get fed a lot of footballs. And I love the idea of having him. He's my like wide receiver four, but I can play him as a wide receiver too. I think I really think he could be top 24 option. Love having him. He's not very old either. Um, Philip Lindsay was the pick after. Then Tyler Higby. That's the steal. That's the steal that I've seen so far was Tyler Higby. There's one more we're going to talk about later, but Tyler Higby's at this point, my favorite steal of the draft. Yeah, I wanted Tyler Higby. Uh, you mentioned he was the steal of the draft. I was already getting trade offers for my pick, and it turned out it was for Tyler Higby if he would have fallen. Um, I, I really wanted Tyler Higby. I think that Rams offense, you know, I hope just from how the season ended, Gerald Everett, was hurt. Tyler Higby kind of took over. He was, I mean, he was getting nine, ten catches a game, and he was just dominating that that offense. But 
you know, we'll see. Carol Everett's healthy again. They might go back to two tight end set. They might sprinkle in Everett more than they would Higby in some situations. You never know. But um, Higby was my Higby was in my queue uh, right there. But um, I was looking at the the rest of the players available there that I wanted, and I really wanted a guy with wide receiver one upside for his team. And I just kept remembering how good Preston Williams was before he got hurt. Um, he's still hurt. He's trending in the right direction on his ACL tear. But then he got Tua in the draft. Uh, Miami Dolphins did. So I was thinking more for the future. You know, he's only 23, but he's 6'5", 220. I mean, the guy, the guy's built to be a number one. And if he could stay healthy, I think that he definitely will be. But that's what I was going for. I was shooting for upside after I had taken a rookie and then traded back into getting my guy that hadn't really done a whole lot. I really wanted a guy that I could just take a flyer on that hopes that maybe maybe it's a guy like you get Josh Gordon like five years ago that's just super late that could be a dominant force. It was just kind of one of those dark pros that I really think will hopefully work out for me. Preston Williams has the most upside of all these wide receivers that are left. Outside of maybe one, I see one on the board. I think John Brown does still have upside, but there's so many question marks that Preston Williams and John Brown are on the same same level. Take your pick. Um, well, but, there's no there's no way that John Brown could be the number one on his, on his team with Stephon Diggs there. And Would you agree with that? I agree with that, and John Brown's much older. I, I, I do. I, yeah. I, I understand. You're, I'm, I'm not saying that, okay, I may have made it sound that way, but I'm not saying that John Brown can be the number one on this team. That's not going to happen. Um, I'm just saying I think John Brown has still ha- has a very high high ceiling. That's all I'm trying to say. And these other players, uh, this, the, they're just guys. Preston Williams has that ceiling. You're right. Dominant presence. And I remember getting texts. Preston Williams was paying dividends. He was a late late pick and rookie drafts and people held on to him that believed him and, and, and it worked out. And then all of a sudden he got hurt. Um, Preston Williams is a force. My only caution to you would be remember the tale of Allen Robinson. Preston Williams is going to have a down year, but just hang on to him. Just hang on and see what you have. You're going to have to wait till 2021 because of that's how HCL injuries work. I think with these wide receivers, it's going to take you a year just to get right again. That's just what we're seeing. So I love the pick. I think you're going to be saddled with him for a little while. If you want to sell him cheap, I'll take him. But I'm looking for him for 2021. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I'm uh, I think I'm in it for the long haul with him. I mean, he made Josh Rosen look great. He did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I think you got a good good pick there. After Preston Williams was Sterling Shepard, James White, Carson Wentz, Matt Breida. Alexander Madison, a backup. We've gotten officially into pure handcuff backup running back territory in the 10th round with Alexander Madison. And then Anthony Miller rounded out the 10th round. Thoughts? I, I think um, just some quick thoughts there on, on that round. I really do like your Jameson Crowder pick, um, especially being a full PPR. Like you mentioned, Robbie Anderson's out of town, Sam Darnold. He's getting hopefully better um, in the same offense, same coaches, same coordinator, that kind of thing. And I, I, I really do like Jamison Crowder, but kind of on that same note in the same round, Anthony Miller, um, say Nick Foles does take over. Um, what better player to have on that offense than Anthony Miller? 
your talk to Allen Robinson, which is great. But, you know, if Nick Foles doesn't want to throw it far down the field and he doesn't have to, say they're up because they're great defense, he doesn't have to push the ball very far. He's not going to be swinging it to Allen Robinson 30, 40 yards down the field, even 20 yards. So as far as a full PPR league goes, do you think Allen Robinson is going to finish that far above Anthony Miller if all goes well and Nick Foles takes control of this offense and does pretty well? Or do you think Anthony Miller is kind of a steal here? Oh, I think Anthony, and Anthony Miller is, I don't know if I would say steal. When I look up and see the other guys around him, I think he's valued where he should be. I don't think he was stolen. There's still so many question marks, man. There's just questions. They didn't draft anybody, though. Did they draft any wide receivers? No, and I think, you know, like you said, he's valued where he should be. I think everyone's got that stigma around the Bears, and I'm guilty of it. I basically took all Bears off my list because of Mitchell Trubisky. Mm -hmm. But I keep forgetting that Nick Foles is the replacement option. And they declined Trubisky's option. Yeah. Trubisky is gone yeah, Trubisky's after done. this year. Yeah, he's done. But he's it's the still just in my mind that the Bears are going to be poor on offense. And I need to get over that because I think Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson, David Montgomery, all those guys are going to be great options. Latter part of this year, going into next year, they're going to be, if there was a dynasty startup next year, I'd be interested to see Anthony Miller and David Montgomery's average draft position, because I both think that they will move up a couple rounds yeah. for sure after that offense gets better and Mitchell Trubisky is gone. That's the advantage. So if you've listened this far, if you've listened all the way through 10 rounds, then you probably understand the advantage. You get it. I mean, here's what we're doing here, guys. We are studying human tendencies. We, we act like this is about football or statistics or yards or whatever. Here's the reality. This is a game of human tendencies. And if you can, if you can outthink your opponent, then you win. We're not out there catching footballs. It's not a physical game. This is really more of a political game than anything else. And if you're studying this and you're seeing, just like Daniel just said, there is a stigma in everyone's mind right now that the Chicago Bears stink because Mitchell Trubisky sucks. That's, that's the stigma that's in everybody's head. The reality is Nick Foles is probably the QB1. We don't know what this team's going to look like. And so as a result, because of the stigma, all of these Bears players are down. David Montgomery was, what, a second rookie pick? He was 102 last year? 103? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. probably 103, and then A.J. Brown went to Titans, so everybody bumped him up to two, and everybody slept on A.J. Brown. I remember that story. So David Montgomery yeah. has slipped at least two rounds. He would have been drafted where Jonathan Taylor was this year, so he slipped at least two rounds. Allen Robinson, who I do believe is one of the premium wide receivers in the league, and Young has a stigma about him. And here, you're absolutely right. Now that I say that, would you rather have Allen Robinson with your third pick or Anthony Miller with your 10th? Which would you prefer? Anthony Miller with my 10th. Anthony Miller with your 10th um, sounds really, really attractive. Yeah. I mean, that sounds good. Now you, that got, you got me worked up about it. That sounds good. I love that pick now. Yeah. I mean, if you've got Pat Mahomes at quarterback, sure, it's me, Allen Robinson. I mean, this guy's going to run down the field. He's going to beat guys one-on-one. -on -one. He's going to catch 30, 40-yard passes. He's going to be great, but... If you've got Nick Foles at quarterback, which is a lot better than Mitchell Trubisky, but if you've got Nick Foles at quarterback, 
give me Anthony Miller in, let's see, Anthony Miller in the tent over Allen Robinson in the third all day long. That's what it's about, guys. I hope you're doing mock drafts. I hope you're getting ready. If you have fantasy football questions, you can reach out on Twitter. Um, you, we've got a phone number you can text. I don't know what the number is. I'll look it up. Nobody's going to text the number. I Actually, we did get one phone call to the number, um, but I think it was a bot. Really? Yeah, I, I think it was a machine. I think they wanted my credit card information. Um, uh. The number is 317-622-8201. So you can tweet at Commissioner Mister. Uh, you can text us. We like talking about drafts and we want to help you study this thing. It's really, I believe the more that you study your drafts, the more prepared you are, the better your fantasy football season is going to be. The game is not won at the draft, but the foundation is set. And as long as you're ready to make adjustments, a good solid draft sets you up for success. That's what I'm trying to say. Know the tendencies of the people that you're playing with. Take advantage of it. I'm so glad you listened to the podcast. Daniel, have you got anything else for us? Yeah, I mean, uh, thanks for listening. Hopefully, those of you that are in a dynasty but have rookie drafts coming up as well got something out of this as far as where those rookies might go because uh, that's what we'll be working on next year in this exact same league is we'll just be drafting rookies. Um, so those of you that have done dynasty before, you're probably listening if you have a dynasty league to see where those rookies are going to see where a placement might be. So do like Tony said, do the mocks. Uh, get prepared because things happen in the draft that you just cannot prepare for and that gets you that gets you prepped so yeah thank you you've been listening to huddle up a football podcast subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us at huddle up nfl and at commissioner mister on twitter to keep up on the latest from the nfl and stay huddle up. in the huddle huddle up team on three one two three, three.